This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your out-of-control host. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 75,354 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Okay guys, I'm sorry, I don't have that many episodes, I just couldn't help but do that. It's episode 67. Today we're talking about safe and natural weed control for weed problems. We have tons of solutions out there for dealing with weeds. You can go to the Home Depot, go to the Lowe's, go to wherever and pick up a bottle of something right off the shelf and it's super easy, super convenient to just blast those weeds, right? So what are we talking about today? We're talking about not doing any of that. Here's the reality, guys. Safe and natural does not equal quick and convenient and easy. That's just the reality for a lot of things, and it's certainly the reality for weed problems. So we're going to dive in today and talk about some other options we can do I will be upfront and honest with you. There's not a quick and easy solution when you want to take away the synthetic chemical use on your landscape. And we'll talk about why maybe we want to do that too. So if you're wondering what the heck, why would we even worry about, you know, not going to get a bottle of whatever with, you know, that we have in the garage or at Walmart or whatever, and just spray it all over the place to take care of our weeds? Well, there are reasons for that, and we'll jump into that. Okay, so before we do that, if you have not left a review for this show and you enjoy listening to this show, these reviews mean a lot to me. It's a way for really, it it boosts my energy to see these reviews come in. So thank you very much if you've already left a review. If you have not and you enjoy the show, it's a wonderful way to say thank you and to also help support the show. Leaving reviews helps the podcast applications reach more people because it realizes more people like this show. So it's really helpful for me to reach more people like you to really help make a difference, make a positive difference in people's landscapes across the world. So if you haven't already left a review, please consider going to do so right now. And I thank you in advance for doing so. And you just might get your review featured on the show. All right, guys, let's jump in to safe and natural weed control for weed problems. So I'm going to start with a weird question. Why do we hate weeds? Well, so weeds are interesting because in certain places, weeds are actually an ornamental or they're a useful plant. And in other places, we hate them. We can't stand them, right? So hate's a strong word. I don't like to use that word. But the reality is a lot of these plants are villainized and and. You know, sometimes for good reason, they can really cause problems, right? But in other instances, they can be really beneficial. And so let's jump into really what's what's the reality behind why we dislike these plants so much. Well, the first is in our landscapes, there's an innate desire for order, right? Our landscapes are things that we have designed to kind of, yes, they're a natural space, but they're also an artificial space, right? We've created a space that's not the wild scrubby nature we've created a space where we want some order we want some beauty we want some regularity and we want it maybe for a specific purpose as well and so when we have this desire for one situation and nature contends against that situation to really bring it back to what it originally was there's a conflict there 
And that's where weeds come in. So the biggest example of this is in lawns. Lawns are not a natural system, right? So we trim this grass that's meant to grow usually usually like one to three feet tall, and we trim it down short, right, to a couple inches. That is a perfect opportunity for weeds to come in. There's light that's touching the soil most times. There's compacted soil, or there's soil that's lacking organic matter, depending on if you have clay soil or sandy soil. And so these are perfect opportunities for those highly adapted plants that thrive in that situation. And here I'm getting off topic already, but the reality is that there's a desire for order in these landscapes, and weeds are adapted to come into those ordered systems because of the way we've handled them. The next thing about hating weeds is that a lot of times they're just ugly plants. Think of ragweed. Nobody likes ragweed, right? I don't, I don't think anybody likes ragweed at least. But the reality is in the natural system, they can, it can be a very good plant to have. It supports insects uh, as harborage, and um, I'm sure plenty of insects eat the plant as well uh, as sustenance for their growth. So, you know, an ugly plant is just a plant, again, that is not in this place we want it. And that's my third point, is that weeds are really, the definition of a weed is that it's a wrong plant in a wrong place. Now, there are a few exceptions for that. You know, if we talk about invasives or exotics or whatever you want to call them, plants that really are from a different part of the world, through human intervention, they've gotten to a new part of the world where they're outside of the ecosystem they adapted to. And they can cause a lot of problems. And that's a little different. But when we're talking about most plants that aren't overly aggressive, um, it's really just the wrong plant in the wrong place. Case in point, the dandelion. Dandelions are really, if you think about it, they're a beautiful plant. Think about how much, <laughs> how many artistic depictions there are of a dandelion that's already flowered and gone to seed and those beautiful seeds blowing off into the wind. There's a ton of artistic depictions of that. But when it's in our lawn, it's the villain. It's evil, right? It must be removed. <laughs> and so with you know this perspective, it's the wrong plant in the wrong place. You know, it w- looks wonderful in a painting or a picture or, or you know a stock photo of it. You know, those little tiny seeds blowing off in the wind. But heaven forbid, that's a picture of our lawn. And so, really, this is part. You know, these three points kind of just sum up why we hate weeds. And and maybe changing that perspective can actually help reduce stress. People stress so much even just with one little dandelion plant in their yard or a little bit of clover that pops up in their yard. And it gets, gets people so worked up with a couple plants. And the reality is, yes, it disrupts your desire for order. But maybe if you change your perspective and appreciate the beauty of some of these plants, it can help kind of, you know, ease that. And maybe just, yes, you can long-term, you can change and transition your space, but it doesn't have to be such an urgent thing where you need to go out and buy something that might not serve the long-term benefit of you, your family, or your landscape or your environment. And we'll get into that too. So that leads to my next point, uh, or the next piece of why are conventional options bad? Now, bad is a strong word too. Hate and bad, right? Okay, negative connotations here. But when it comes down to most synthetic herbicides, I consider them bad. 
because they were developed for a specific target of which they're usually very effective. Okay, and that is admirable. It's amazing what we can do, right, to develop these chemistries that target a specific plant with a specific problem and not touch our, you know, our prized lawn, for example. Weed and feed is a great example, right? This stuff is like magic, right? You spray these granulated pixie dust down on your lawn. It fertilizes your grass plants. At the same time, it kills all those other weeds that you don't want, including clover, which I actually think is a good thing. It used to be clover, and this is an aside, before weed and feed was developed, clover was a prized possession in lawns. The quality of your grass seed was determined based on the clover content. So that gives you a perspective of how things have changed with marketing of this weed and feed stuff. So they they realized that, um, well, one, clover feeds your lawn, so it helps your grass grow because it donates nitrogen. So with these synthetic fertilizers, you know, it, it actually reduces the need for synthetic fertilizers by having clover. But then when you add the weed and feed stuff that gets rid of your other broadleaf weeds that people wanted to get rid of, it also got rid of clover. And so these companies just decided to change their marketing to make clover, instead of a prized possession of the lawn, it became a villain. All right, anyway, I get off topic again. So why are conventional options bad? There is tons of research out there, and it's highly controversial because the companies that develop it insist that they're safe, but there's tons of research that shows that these conventional synthetic herbicides are not safe. They have a lot of non-target effects, which means that they, they also affect things outside of what they were originally intended for. So for example, if you have crabgrass killer that you spray on your lawn, odds are that it also negatively affects many other things. A lot of these herbicides are endocrine disruptors and other chemicals that really can affect uh, biological systems. Here's the reality, guys. We're made of biology too. And even though these companies say it doesn't have an effect, or maybe, you know, it, it's it, maybe it's true, but I choose not to trust the companies that make a profit off the stuff they're selling. That's a choice you have to make too. You have to choose whether or not you trust that data or not, or you trust the other massive amount of emerging data that shows maybe this stuff's not all that safe. Okay, so why is it not safe? Well, like I said, endocrine disruptors. Basically what that is is chemicals that mess with your hormones. Okay, hormones control everything. It controls your emotions. It controls your growth, your development. It controls all sorts of behavior inside your body. Yes, my background of biology is coming through right now. But what I'm trying to show you is that this stuff has a problem, has an effect. When you go and spray those chemicals on your lawn, or let's let's rephrase that, when the lawn company comes by, if they're actually following the law, first of all, they're not going to be spraying your lawn when there's rain in the forecast for the next four to seven days. All right, that's on the label itself. It says you should not apply this stuff when there's rain expected. That's for fertilizers and for chemicals. But then also if they're following the law, what do they put in your yard at the front of your yard after they put this stuff on? They put that little friendly looking sign with a circle and a line through it. And it shows a person and a dog, right? Well, of course they make it look as friendly as possible. But what that means is 
don't go near this space because it's covered with poison. That's the reality, guys. This stuff is dangerous, and it's most dangerous to your pets and your kids, but it's also dangerous for you. So just, that's why conventional options are bad, guys. They they don't even want to admit that it's bad, but they're required by law to tell you it's bad, so they make it look as friendly as possible. Okay, it should be this big sign with a giant red X through it. Maybe then it would help you understand better. But the reality is, it's not safe stuff. Okay, and even if it's like, you know, not super dangerous, I still don't want it near my property because I don't trust it. And I mean, take Roundup, for example. Roundup is a highly controversial item, but the the truth is there's multiple studies that have shown that Roundup shows up in mother's milk. It's crazy where this stuff shows up. And Roundup is one of those herbicides that's not supposed to last long in the environment. It's supposed to degrade pretty quickly. And here it's showing up in mothers that produce milk for their babies. That's how crazy this stuff is. Okay. So first, unsafe for kids, pets, and you. I don't want to dwell on this too long. It also kills pollinators. This is mostly with the pesticides, which today I'm talking mostly about herbicides, but the reality is it messes up things, okay? It also has a broader environmental impact. This stuff so often runs off your property, gets into waterways, and then it's going down rivers and oceans, guys. This stuff accumulates, okay? So it causes massive problems beyond just our landscape. So yes, it fixes the problem that we have, but it sends this ripple effect of other problems throughout us, throughout our kids, throughout our pets, throughout our own landscape, and throughout the greater landscape, okay? When we use these synthetic chemicals, it kills the biodiversity in our soil. And I haven't talked about this much recently, so maybe it bears talking about right now. Our soil is the foundation of our landscape. If you want to not have landscape problems, fix your soil. It will fix most of the problems in your landscape with your plants. If you have diseased plants, if you have plants that just don't seem to grow, if you have sandy, eroded soil, if you have compacted clay soil, healthy, organic matter soils fix all of these problems. So help your soil by kicking the chemical habit. Okay, enough about this. I'm going to move on. So what can you do? Well, the first thing is you have to make a decision. Are you committed to the safety of your family? Are you committed to the safety of your family? Are you committed to the safety of your environment? Do you actually care about the environment? Do you actually care about the environment? Okay, so... Yes, maybe I'm getting a little overly dramatic here, but the reality is, guys, this stuff matters. It matters to me, and I hope it matters to you. And the question of whether or not it makes a big difference, it makes a difference, okay? It makes a difference. So you have to decide how committed you are. And why do you have to commit? Because the other options are not as easy. Yes, these conventional synthetic options are quicker, they're easier, they are effective, they work, right? So that's the shortcut. But let's face it in life, if we haven't learned from so many other lessons in life, the shortcut causes other side effects. 
it's so true in life, right? I mean, what have, what have we learned about telling the truth, right? Not telling the truth always causes other problems, whether it's internally to ourselves or causing other ripple effects throughout our lives. Maybe I'm getting a little philosophical here, but the reality is the shortcut's not always the best option, okay? Think about buying a cheap thing. You go to the dollar store and you buy a a toy for your kid. Well, do you expect that toy to last a long time? Probably not. I wouldn't. I don't. (laughs) We avoid the dollar store. But the reality is that's the shortcut. And so likewise, you're going to have to deal with your kid being upset about that toy breaking 24, 48 hours after they receive it. And then there's this extended issue that you're dealing with with your kid of receiving a gift, then seeing that gift fall apart so quickly and to not be able to enjoy it much longer. Likewise, when we use chemicals, it's the shortcut, it's the cheap option, it's the fast option, but it causes these greater effects that so often we don't see them. We don't immediately see them. We might not ever see them, but the reality is there is an effect. Okay, so let's move on. I hope you're committed to the safety of your family. I hope you're committed to the safety and the greater good of your environment as well. So what can we do? What can we do? Well, there are a couple short terms things you can do. These all require more effort and work than your conventional option. I will be upfront about this. The first option, which is as close as possible to your existing option, is to use some organic and natural-based herbicides, okay? These are usually non-specific herbicides, so you have to use them very targeted is what that means. So if you have dandelions, you can't just spray, you know, across your whole yard a bunch of weed and feed of the organic version because it doesn't exist, okay? Instead, what you do is you go to specific dandelions in your yard and you put this organic or natural-based herbicide directly on the plant. So for one, there's a lot less chemical usage just by the targeted usage of this option. And two, sometimes it requires repeated application, okay? So it doesn't, it's not like Roundup where you put like a half a drop on it and it kills the whole plant and, you know, maybe a half a foot around this plant. I'm being a little dramatic. I get it. But so these these options exist What you want to do is with these short-term options, you can work on them in the short term, but you build the mid and long-term fix for it. Otherwise, you'll keep being in this cycle of having to continually spray and treat stuff because you're not fixing the issue. So the next piece you can do, if you don't want to use any chemicals at all, you can focus on just straight-up removal. And sometimes this is most effective at certain times of the year, depending upon the weed. So look at, or, you know, preventing, if it's an annual weed, preventing it from being able to go to seed and drop seeds. Okay. So yes, this is a ton of work. It's a pain. I don't deny that. Okay. But it can be effective. The next piece in the short term is what you can do is learn how to embrace these plants. I guess this is like, I've been, okay, I've been binge watching the, the show Kung Fu from the 70s recently. So this is like a Kung Fu thing, all right? <laughs> so learn about the plant, learn what it's doing, and learn, 
learn what the plant can teach you, okay? So what's the biology of the plant? How does it grow? So for example, I've been talking about the dandelion today. Let's talk about the dandelion. So the dandelion is a plant. It has this deep taproot, right? That's why it's such a pain to remove. But what that is, these types of plants that have taproots, they're miners. They're penetrating deep through tough soil. So it's an indicator that your your soil is compacted. Likewise, they're miners, right? So they're actually, what they do is they secrete these compounds that dissolve minerals directly from the soil and turn it into something they can suck up into their plant tissue. So it means that your your soil is lacking in organic matter and in minerals or in nutrients, right? So think of organic matter as synonymous with nutrients because usually there's plenty of biodiversity there to acquire the nutrients needed and to bind them into the soil when you have good organic matter. This is everything that a dandelion can teach you. Isn't that great? Isn't that cool? All right, so so you're learning about your plant. You're learning about its life cycle. How does it best adapt to environmental conditions? So Google this stuff. Figure it out. Next, so so once you've learned about them and why they're there, you can focus on the long-term fix. Do the opposite of what those plants are adapted to, okay? Create the conditions, that are ideal for that plant. And the next thing you do, thank that plant for teaching you. It just taught you. This is the Kung Fu coming out of me, right? So it just taught you how to adapt, how to adjust that landscape, to heal that landscape, and to create a better environment for the plants you want. And that's what weeds can do. It's actually really cool stuff. All right. So let's move on. So those are your short-term options. Now, while we're doing the short-term piece, I encourage you to focus on the mid and the long-term fix. So let's talk about a few mid-term fixes. So in the, in the mid-term, what you can do with your garden beds, mulch them more heavily. Mulch is like magic, all right? It builds your soil as it slowly decomposes over the time. And at the same time, it forms a thick cover over that space to prevent light from hitting the soil, germinating weed seeds, and letting them pop up through that mulch. So when you have a heavy layer of mulch, I'm talking like four to six inches, so a lot of mulch, and hopefully it's healthy mulch too. So don't, I'm going to encourage you to not get that dyed stuff, all right? That stuff has chemicals in it, guys. Again, so the dyes come from somewhere, right? And a lot of times too, even more importantly, those those mulches come from questionable sources like industrial wood. Industrial wood is like ground up pallets, ground up shipping crates. All right. A lot of those have, they're impregnated with uh, usually some sort of metal salt um, agent that prevents decay. And so once those agents get into the soil, it's not good for your plants. Okay. So get the natural source of mulch. All right, go to the garden supply store, ask for their stuff that's just straight up ground up trees or talk to your tree service to get them to dump a giant truckload in your driveway. We do it all the time. My wife loves it. All right, so mulch your beds thicker. Next, let's talk about your lawn. This is another midterm fix. All right, so when it comes to your lawn 
aerate it if it's compacted. Do it in the fall. That's the best time uh, for most parts of the contiguous United States. So aerate your lawn only if it's compacted, though. This is usually your clay soils, guys, I'm talking about, okay? Get a core aerator that puts out those things that look like uh, dog droppings all across your yard. So it actually pulls out a chunk of the soil, puts it on top, and creates these holes instead of there's other aerators um what are they called the like the punch aerators i can't remember the exact term but it's the one to avoid okay it's the one where it just basically pokes a hole but without pulling anything out and so what it does is it creates mini compaction in your soil around those holes and so water doesn't absorb through it as well it doesn't work as well okay so aerate core aerate if it's compacted in the fall that will help kind of bust up your clay soil a little bit um, and help get water percolating through your space and trapping organic matter in your space as well. Next, dethatch. If you have a thatch buildup, that's dead root material above the soil surface. Um, so it's different than dead grass. Dethatching will kind of pull out that dead root material, bring air in through those root spaces uh, or those the base of the plants reduce disease issues, help increase the vigor of your grasses. Most grasses need this every couple years, so we're talking two to three years uh, dethatching. And this is only if you have thatch buildup, because what dethatching is, it's basically you take this thing called a power rake. Um, it's it's a it just kind of scrapes the surface of your soil and pulls up all this thatch. Now every time you scrape that soil, you expose weed seeds that can germinate. So you want to do this again at the right time, which is in the fall. All right, because that's off of weed season. All right. So now after you've done this stuff, there's two things you want to do after either of these options. You only do these options if your grass needs it. So after you do one of these two options, you feed with a top dressing of sifted compost. Okay, compost will help build your organic matter, especially if you just aerated. That compost will sit down in those holes and fertilize your soil big time. It will help increase your soil life. And once that stuff gets going, it helps build your soil big time. It helps the health of your grass plants. It also helps prevent weeds because weeds usually grow in poor soils. Okay, next piece, overseed. After you've done your aerating or your dethatching or both, if you really need the triage of both, you overseed to help grass plants get established. Make sure you water in the short term. You know, lawns take a lot of work, right? Um, I try to prefer low-maintenance lawn care, but in the short term with young baby grass, you need to take care of that young baby grass like it's a baby. So that means you water it when it needs it. You don't overwater to prevent fungus issues and you make sure it's happy. Okay, moving on. So long-term fixes. In the long term, you want to reduce your lawn area. Lawns take a lot of work. They're the area with the most problems with weeds, all right? So reduce your lawn area. Also consider options of low-maintenance grasses. Uh, I'll drop a link. Uh, I can't remember what episode it was off the top of my head, but we talked about lawns recently, and uh, they're important to to do in the lowest maintenance way possible. So check out the show notes for that one. Um, (laughs) Also improve here. I'm going to just pause the show real quick and find it for you. How about that? Okay. Episode 61, go check out episode 61 uh, for the easy lawn care episode. We talk about several low maintenance uh, grasses in episode 61. And so the next piece that we want to talk about um, after reducing your lawn area you also want to improve your soil. So 
when it comes to improving your soil, we've talked about this a little bit already. Essentially, what you're doing is increasing the organic matter in your soil and creating the right conditions to build your soil to improve the soil life. So that's the bacteria, the fungus, the nematodes, all these tiny little critters that you can't even see that really support all life on Earth, it seems. Uh, So it's cool stuff. Yes, I'm a microbiologist by training. So, yeah, they're cool things. All right. Uh, off of the nerd alert stuff and back to nerdy landscaping topics instead. Okay, create low-maintenance beds. So low-maintenance garden beds are the next thing you want to do. When it comes to creating low-maintenance beds, your best friend is mulch at the beginning because until your plants grow to shade out that soil and cover the soil, uh, mulch will do the job for you and it'll slowly break down to build your soil as well. If you want to learn Uh, specifically how to create low maintenance beds and you want to have the confidence to do so make sure you check out the easy living yards membership if you're committed to making a positive change so you deserve a beautiful yard get there with the easy living yards membership that's a wrap for today's show guys uh go to ely.how slash episode 67 so episode 67 show notes you can find a link to uh low maintenance easy lawn care likewise you can also find a link to uh Get your beautiful yard that you deserve with the Easy Living Yards membership over at ely.how slash membership. The low maintenance lawn care episode I referenced is ely.how slash episode 61. You can always ask a question. If you have a quick question, go to ely.how slash pod and right at the top of the page, you'll see a link to ask or a button to ask a question. So ask me a question. I'll see if we can get an answer for you. All right, guys, I enjoyed talking about today's show. I hope you are committed to making a positive change in your landscape for your family and for the greater environment by kicking the chemical habit and looking into the natural options. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.